0: This is the Final Round Podcast coming to you live from the FingerLakes1.com studios in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. And now your host, Chris Marquardt. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this edition of the Final Round Drag Racing Podcast. Excited to have you along for the ride with us this evening. Been off a little while and in preparation of getting the season underway. Uh, some practice sessions were scheduled to go off uh, in and around Central New York, which was which was good to see. Snow, of all things, got in the way a couple of different times, so we we'll kind of touching on that. Jason's got the Corvette home. He shared some pictures of that. We'll be able to dive into that. Uh, Cody Riome is going to be joining us as well, so that's going to be uh, a good conversation to dive into. Um, Jason right now is joining us from the home office, which I- I'm happy to say looks like you've been able to... Uh, Maintain your claim. It hasn't. It hasn't gone through and reclaimed you yet.
1: I have one
2: little uh, one little pile of recycle uh, behind me, but yeah, it's fairly clean, thankfully. <laughs> so, uh, of course, all I've done really is I've just pushed everything forward, so you can't see it underneath the camera.
0: Uh, little tricks of the trade. Whatever it takes, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I will say tonight's, uh, like I said, uh, you know, they started. Uh, Started while well, trying to have the first test in tune. And then, like I said, snow got in the way. And then they were, I don't know, I'll be when we bring Cody in to see if, if he's heard anything. Uh, they were going to now open this weekend, but now that they pushed that back because there was, I guess, one more. Um, upgrade that they wanted to finish before they open the track and they were going to announce what that was and it was you know a big surprise and i don't know what it is honestly so i'm, I'm really interested to hear and, and wasn't it the lights what was that wasn't it the lights i don't know oh. um they, they had shown pictures previously of them putting the lights up so i don't know if they put lights up in a, a different area or um yeah I, i'm not sure um so I, they were going to announce it uh Soon, I think, was what uh, what it was last night when I saw. But uh, I didn't have a chance, honestly, today. Uh, I was telling my wife that today has been literally go, go, go from the instant I uh, woke up this morning. And, uh, I mean, I, you know me, usually I get a chance to log on 20, 25 minutes before we go on the air so that we can uh, kind of catch up a little bit. And um, I didn't have time. I sat down here and basically logged in because that's how my schedule's been all day today. So, yeah, yes, I don't know what's going on, but uh, hopefully uh, it's something good.
0: Well, uh, sounds like this would be a great time to bring, uh, our guest Cody Rome in, uh, super pro racer getting ready for 2021. Do you know what the big reveal was?
1: Uh, it's nice. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, but actually I've been sworn to secrecy, so <laughs> I actually can't say,
0: okay. Well, yeah, the
1: answer. <laughs> I do. I do. But, I don't want to bo- uh, spoil the big surprise for everybody. Uh, okay, can um, you, you
2: confirm then that it wasn't the light? Because I don't think it was the light. Because they, they had shown pictures of the lighting up previously.
1: Uh, I I can confirm. Okay. But that's as far as I can go. No, that's fine.
2: That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm really interested to, to see. Do you think it's uh, something that... Uh, you know, everyone's going to be really darn happy about
1: there. It, it's quite something it's, it's going to be, uh, quite a big surprise. Everybody's going to really enjoy it. Wow. That's awesome. It's going to be- benefit every single driver at the track. So.
2: Well, I know, uh, for us, you know, we had talked with uh, Jerry a couple of weeks ago and, uh, he had told the, I, I I will say Phil Harndon talked to him. I didn't get a chance to talk to him directly, but Phil Harden talked to him. And Jerry told Billy like Phil, just don't you can't wait until you get out here and see the improvements
0: yeah. um,
2: that they've made to the track. And obviously we've seen some pictures, um, you know, paving and lighting and drainage and and grass seed and widening the first turnoff. And um, I think did they pay just pay the staging lanes too?
1: They they added. Um, they added more to like the, the road side of the staging lanes for more like pitting. Um, but yeah, yep. So
2: from that standpoint, right. I mean, I think everybody, you and I both pit down very close to each other. I think we're only separated by a couple of trailers and uh, um, where we pit, and it's, it's kind of been paved though. There's been some stones and I know we paved all that in. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, uh, yeah, paving the roads and getting rid of all the stones along the roadside there is probably going to be just a welcome welcome addition by so many racers right
1: right yeah um it's just gonna be it's crazy it we went up there probably a month ago i had to drop off some stuff and it wasn't even that wasn't even paved yet and it's just astronomical how much stuff he's done i don't know where there's room for improvement anymore
2: Well, I will say the other thing, too, that uh, they showed pictures of, which I thought was really interesting. And Chris, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, Gary got some upholstered, padded grandstands.
0: Really? <laughs> I missed that. <laughs>
2: yeah. So they're, they're, I don't know where he got them from. Um, they're, they're smaller, but, you know... Obviously, we don't get a ton of spectators out there on a normal on a normal uh, race weekend. Uh, you know, let's call it a normal Saturday when it's just a, you know, super pro and pro guys running. But yeah, how nice will it be now when you're going to go sit in the stands that uh, you're not sitting on a on a board, um, but an actual cushioned, upholstered seat? Like,
1: yeah,
2: that'll be nice, I man. I, I actually think. To, to be honest, that you're going to see more people sitting in the grandstand because they're going to be like, hey, this is kind of comfy and it's a fun <laughs> spot to go hang out. And, you know, if I'm out of competition, I'll go grab a beer and go hang out in a nice comfy seat and watch some racing.
1: Sure, yeah.
2: So, yeah, really excited to see uh, see what uh, what's on tap. Uh, so, Chris, I will say before we dive in to the show, you and I, tonight's a big night, right? Would you agree?
0: It's it's not a small night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I are both Bills fans and tonight's the NFL draft, right? Oh, okay.
0: So, I was uh, I, yes. I wasn't sure what the context was here, but yes, it's, it's uh we there was a discussion about that at our house before I left for the evening. Yes. Yeah, so you
2: want to uh you want to make a prediction? I'm going to predict Bills go defensive end. I don't know who specifically, but I don't think they're going to do running back first round. I think they're going to go defensive end. What, what's
0: your thought? All the all the all the conversation that I've seen is that the Bills are going to try and jump up and get one of the top four spots, and I really don't know if they necessarily need to do that. Um, there was a bunch of banter on that today. I I don't think they're going to. I I do believe that. Something to complement what they've got on the defensive line would be a good move. You've got to remember that some of these guys that sat out for the year are going to be coming back. You know you've got Starlo Toule that's going to be coming back. They offered some good contracts to uh, um, Milano and uh, Edmonds is going to be coming back as well. So you've got some options there. And then to, to get another compliment on the, the defensive pass rush would be a really, really good move because I think they got a bunch of tools in place. They don't need to do a whole lot in terms of the offense. They just need to have somebody in the backfield that's going to be a threat, somebody who could do something is, is really just the sort of the, the box they need to check so that periodically that they could be reminding uh, opposing defenses that they have a running back that could do something. Um, I think that defensive stuff uh, needs to be addressed. They, they did a nice job of keeping their secondary intact, but the, that edge rusher would be really, really nice to see.
2: No, I agree, and I will say that, uh, you know, I think the Bills need someone to put the fear of God in opponents. So the Bills are kind of like me, I think, from a defensive line standpoint of me out at the racetrack because I don't get put the fear of God in anybody, and that's what the that's what the Bills need. Whether or not that person actually – really contributes and, and makes a big impact on game day, I think uh, they, they need someone like that. Uh, so, Cody, you can obviously see that we are very strict about the subject matter here. Uh, <laughs>
0: drag
2: racing. Are you a Bills fan as
0: well?
1: Well, I'm just I'm just a football fan, really, but I, mean, I don't know enough to really uh, dive into it. I enjoy listening to it and watching it, but I don't know uh, all about it like you guys do for sure. Well, Cody, it was nice having you on the show. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was gonna say it's like I'm no expert by any means.
0: I'm a
2: typical uh, you know, Sunday morning quarterback, if you will. So uh yeah, I was just curious if you were a big football fan, Bills fan, and see what uh, uh what, what your prediction was. But uh, well we'll leave it at you're a football fan and uh afterwards we'll see how, how well Chris and I did predicting what the Bill, uh, what the Bills did. But let's uh let's get back to you, I guess. So yeah, you and I have talked uh I don't know, over the last five or six weeks about, you know, having you come on the show and um, hopefully you didn't take this the, the wrong way. And uh, I, I said that, you know, you're one of the, let's call it newer, let's call it newer racers out at the track as far as I'm concerned, because you were a guy that competed at Skyview that once Skyview closed, came up to Empire, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had a little bit of lull time uh, in between. I, went, I raced at ESTA Safety Park for uh, probably a year and a half. And then we finally made the voyage out to Empire and uh, kind of made it home base.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And now you have got your start in the juniors. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep.
2: And did you start at Skyview with the juniors? Or was that at Estes with the juniors that you started?
1: Uh, No, I I started right at uh, Skyview. I uh, I started at – 2006, I believe. Yeah, I was I was nine, so been racing quite a while. <laughs> oh,
2: okay, so yeah, you were pretty young. You know? Yeah, and, yep. and, and, You know, I do all my best thinking. I probably mentioned this on the show in the past, and it's, it's probably kind of weird, but I do all my best thinking when I'm in the shower in the morning. I guess I got nothing else. To <laughs> do I, but I was thinking this morning. I'm like, you know, you and I have talked a little bit again about, you know, how you got started. Um, but how did you even get started in the juniors? Was your family into into drag racing prior to you getting started?
1: um mostly my father um he uh he tells me all the time one day uh coming home from the thousand islands with his parents uh his dad i believe my grandfather asked him you want to stop at esta on the way home he said sure and he said uh when he got there he looked around and he said this is awesome i don't know what i don't know how old he was he was probably uh maybe 10 or 12 i think if i can remember right." And, it's been it's been an ugly addiction from there.
2: <laughs> so your dad was really young the first time he went to.
1: Yeah. Went.
2: And just as a him and his parents went just as a spectator.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, they had. Uh, <clears throat> my grandfather knew Dana Christie, I believe, is okay. what my dad said, which was he's an old racer from he's since passed now, but. From I think Utica, Rome, and ESTA, and Spencer Speedway, and Apple Valley, and all that stuff. So Utica, Rome. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
2: that's going back a few years. Yeah. Where's
1: where your family originally from? Uh, we're uh, right from Portland, New York. Uh, okay. It's about a about an hour south of Syracuse, hour north of Binghamton. Yeah,
2: where, where you still live
1: now, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yep.
2: Okay. All right, I didn't know if if he was going to would Utica. How how far is the Utica Rome area from you guys. I mean, it's got to be—is it, is it an hour basically?
1: Probably an hour and twenty, if I had to guess. And how now?
2: long does it take you to get to Empire every weekend?
1: Uh two and a half.
2: Oh, okay. It's, it's
1: yeah. yeah. Yep.
2: More than I thought. Then so yeah, Utica Rome then would have definitely been a, a, a close drag—the maybe the probably the closest drag strip at the time for your dad to to go watch them.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I can't remember if he ever said he went there or not, but he went to Esther quite a bit, which is like 45 minutes away from us. Okay, okay. So, but he, we, he spent a lot of time there when he was, well, younger and my age racing. I think he started racing it in, in his twenties, I think. But
0: yeah, now, there was,
2: how did, how did your dad start off? Was he just a hot rodder type of guy? And then, got um,
1: here? he was just, a. when he started, it was like with a street car with a Monte Carlo. He started okay. off in street class, him and, uh, Joe Vasuccio hung out quite a bit, and um, he's the one that pretty much taught him how to race, and he's blossomed from there.
0: <laughs> so, so I, I'm trying to go back and see where the times overlap here for uh, Utica Rome. Did he get the chance to race when there was a drag strip still at um, at Fulton Speedway?
1: Uh, probably not. No, you I know? think he
0: started in '90. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so oh it was man. Call. I don't even know. Like mid nineties. I think one of the ways that we used to get into the track when I was working at Utica Rome, we had to come in the back gate and, and they referred to it as they would say the drag strip. And I wasn't really sure what it was that they were referring to until I got to know a little bit more about the track. And I knew that the drag strip was there, but I didn't know that that was the drag strip. And, and the way into the track was along the uh, part of the old, um, uh, runoff area. It was kind of neat to, uh, to know that that was there.
1: Yeah. Parts of it were still huh, yeah, there. I didn't
0: even... <laughs> so now how did,
2: how did your dad, uh, I guess, progress from starting out in the street? Uh, you know, did it take him a long time to build a, a race car? Or...
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a rough go of it. <laughs> he said, uh, well, I don't know how long it was like the time, but I remember he said <laughs> what he, he had a Monte Carlo. It was his first car. And sent the same street car that he had, and he's he built it himself from a street car all the way actually to a super pro car but he uh he said he used to use a boat a boat gas tank for the fuel cell in the back um him and his uncle made their own back wheels, so it was a pretty rough start <laughs> back in the day uh yeah, it was uh, all the stories he tells me about it. something that he uh with his previous wife, he said uh, he needed a set of slicks, and uh, he sold their minivan, their only car, to buy a set of used slicks. <laughs> and they had no car, so yeah, it was uh it's something.
2: It uh, it sounds like the bug uh, bit your dad pretty hard. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you can say that.
2: I was say, uh, you know my my uncle did uh, my uncle did that uh, as well. Uh, or you know something similar. Where my uncle, you know, now this is back in the '60s. My uncle wanted to go racing. He sold the, uh, um, well, he he pawned his furniture so he could go <laughs> racing away someplace that weekend, and, and then uh, ended up, you know, in, in his in his words, I knew I was going to win, so he uh, he basically pawned his stuff and then uh, basically went and. Uh, uh, you know, won the race that weekend and then got his uh, his furniture back. Now, granted, his wife was not very happy that he made that gamble, but uh, in the end, it did it did end up working out for him. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, interesting. It's uh, uh, definitely uh, it's an interesting story for sure. Now, I'm curious. Uh, um, you know, were you uh, were you essentially like myself when you were young? You know, did you you know go out to the races with him every single weekend or
1: Oh yeah, we were just talking about this the other day. I think I could probably count on the hand on one hand how many races I've missed. It's uh I've been I was born in 97 and I think I went almost every weekend since then.
0: So, I was every, born in January and we started in April and here we are. Every weekend since then. That is uh that is a a lot of weekends missed. You have that similar story as so many other young racers that you know, you um you ended up going Racing on graduation night, or you skip prom to go to a race night, or something like that, as well. Well, I had to go to my prom, but yeah. <laughs> other than that, that was about it. <laughs> um, so what I know we a minute ago we were just talking about the, the junior dragsters, but uh, um, tell me a little bit about the actual process of getting into the car. It, it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of uh necessary pushing. It's something that you wanted to do. Uh was it was it was it dad's idea? Was was that thing already sitting there waiting for you to get old enough to climb into the car? Did you have to shop around? What was the process to getting you into the car itself? Like uh you mean like a junior or like a well like either a one leader? for that matter. I mean there's there's so much that goes into to racing and there's so many different levels to it. And and when you talk about being a second and third generation driver the way that we've had so many different times on this show. There's, there's always, it seems that there's something waiting that, that, that the kid didn't know about, but then there's other times where the kid needed a huge push to, to get into it and, and followed along when you've only missed an, you know, on a single hand number of race weekends, obviously there was a drive and there was a desire there, but what did it take to get you actually into the car?
1: Well, um, one Christmas day, uh, my dad, uh, uh, 2005, I believe Christmas, um, uh, a few weeks prior, my my dad said, don't go in the garage or I'll burn burn it down <laughs> because obviously <laughs> he was hiding my car in there. And I was I pestered him and pestered him and pestered him to get me into a junior. Like every time we went to ESTA, it was, when are you going to buy me one of them? When are you going to buy me one of them? And yeah. he finally did. And I mean, no, there was no hard push. I was I was probably pushing on my dad more than anything to get into a car.
0: I got you. So, so once we went from there, was it... Um did it did it wane at all once the car was there you're out there running and, and 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 having fun and did it did the interest wane at all and then also on top of that did it did it become a sometimes we hear these stories about it it doesn't necessarily become a magnet that draws a father and son closer together <laughs> <laughs>
1: no we definitely had our few, our fair share of, in the juniors not so much now yeah. but With uh, our little spats, uh, because I every once in a while, you know, you suck something terrible on the tree, or you do something (laughs) dumb, and it just, you know, how that goes. Uh, But yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) It seems like a lot of the times, just in just over the course of life, eventually your parents aren't your parents anymore, and they're just kind of really close friends, and you're able to enjoy things in a way that you weren't able to enjoy when you were, when you were a dumb kid and that was a dumb parent. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, that's uh, that that's, that's very interesting. So after that, um, you know what I, I missed? I was, I was busy messing with the soundboard and I missed it. And I heard talk about the Monte Carlo. Is that, was that dad's first car?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He had a 80, 83 Monte Carlo, and I believe. And that is was that, his street car in high
0: school. Is that still around?
1: No, he uh he sold it in two thousand five. I believe it was two thousand five. Um and um I can't remember where it went from there. I think one of our close friends bought it and uh he had it for a while and then he ended up trading it off.
0: Gotcha. So, so. and then it went
1: down south. But other than that, I'm not really sure where it went to.
0: So I never got the chance to race to race that car. What was your first after you got out of the um after you got out of the juniors? your first car was
1: um it was a, it was a dragster um it was, it was a 2009 miller um it's a great car i love that car <laughs> uh, uh, that's Yeah, not, so,
2: that's not well, the same car that you're running now
1: nope no, nope, that was uh gosh we sold that car a couple of years ago but yeah um it's quite a quite a car to jump right into <laughs> Now
2: how did you uh I guess overall, how did you get to I guess the I mean you have two cars. Well, I, I guess do you and your dad still share driving duties? I mean you have two cars. You have the dragster and, and the Corvette Roadster, which I, I love the I love the Roadster by the way. <laughs> um I, I'm obviously very partial to it. Uh are uh do you guys share driving duties or are you driving both?
1: Uh we share. Um he's he's got a dragster and the cor the Corvette and I just got my car. Um so we we pretty much just stick to our own cars.
2: Oh, okay. So I mean,
1: unless is- we're double entering or something like that, but we we both race the same week, the same time every weekend.
2: Oh, okay. So I, I guess from that standpoint, so is your dad running one in box and the other in no box, or is he is he running both in in box?
1: Uh, no. Um. Uh, last year we ran into a couple um, unfortunate events with one of the dragsters <laughs> that blew up, but. Um, he's. We don't have a way to get all three there anymore. Uh, okay. Before we got our third car, he sold this, uh, our stacker, so yeah. now we have really no way of getting them all there unless he buys like a overpriced junk trailer. Sure. <laughs> sure. Because they're terrible to find right now. But um, he's going to try to stick to the dragster this year and uh, give that a shot again um, all year and see what happens.
2: Well, I have to say that, uh, yeah, I saw you the one weekend we happened to be there, um, where you had, uh, the problems with the dragster and I saw you pulling the motor out of the dragster <laughs> while you were there. And I'm like, yeah. man, these, these guys are hardcore that they're uh, pulling the motor out at the track while they're still racing.
1: Yeah. That was, that was quite a night late one. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. We've got, a, we got some folks that are watching in the YouTube chat tonight, which is always fun. We've got some, some traffic there as well as some of the traffic that we've got going on on Facebook as well. And uh, Kathy, forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, Kathy, Kathy Kiegel says that uh, Cody was able to rejoin the Skyview family that's almost all moved to Empire. What's, what's the Skyview family that she's talking about? Oh, gosh, I'm going to forget a few, and it's
1: probably going to make them mad. But, <laughs> uh, there's, there's Kathy and uh don um pete and crystal Kerpier. us of course um like i said i'm gonna forget them don't there's name so names many just... there. uh <laughs> yeah there's there's a there's a good amount of us that that came up there and uh uh made it made it home because it's, it's such a great place and great people and uh yeah wouldn't want to have it any other way <laughs>
2: Now, when you when you decided, I guess what? Well, well, let's let not say decided. I mean, when Skyview closed, is the track is the track still owned by the same ownership?
1: Um, it's hard to say because no one really gets a straight answer out of it. Um, it's for sale and then it's not for sale and then it's been bought and then it's still under the same owner. So I'm I'm not real sure there. Someone wants to do something with it and it gets shot down and. Just a whole bunch of that um uncertainty there, so
2: now is it the is it the town that is shooting them down
1: no i I mean from what I've heard, this is just hearsay and speculation, sure. of course, but the owner is shooting down the offers and he's taken one and this and that i mean it's it's hard to say I don't really know a hundred percent on it to say um accurately.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I guess overall, it's like, you know, obviously, I, I know a lot about what's going out at Empire because I'm a regular competitor there, but I'm not obviously intimately involved with business discussions as far as what they're doing with their money and how other people <laughs> are uh, are getting involved, right? So yeah, sure. like I said, it, it's all just hearsay and, and speculation, but. Um, <laughs> now when when Skyview closed did, did all of you guys kind of as a group make the decision that hey, you know what we're let's go up to let's go to Empire instead of esta i mean 'cause for for you and I think for Don and Kathy, I think they're down closer to the Binghamton area, right so esta would have been closer yeah. for everybody right yep,
1: yeah, actually we uh pretty much all of us migrated well, a lot of us migrated to esta for a couple of years, the twenty sixteen and fifteen season, I believe, and then I think it was the seven twenty seventeen season that Donnie and Kathy and Pete and Crystal and a few others left um and their scribanis they left and went to Empire and then we kind of followed suit and um yeah, so there was there was that little uh amount of time that we all were at esta but
2: right right so now how long have you been racing at Empire regularly? It's been at least um, two years.
1: Yeah, since the 2018 season, I believe, is like regularly. Okay,
2: because um, I will say, yeah, that's uh, that was when I kind of noticed. It's like, hey, new guy here, and uh, <laughs> yeah. he, you know he's parked uh, three you know three pit spots down from here, or whatever it is, and uh, yeah, it definitely seemed like, uh, uh, like I said, you, you to me, you guys kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, hey, who are these guys, right? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just assumed that you were probably, uh, yeah. An old Skyview racer that, uh, yeah. Found a new home. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it sounds to me like you guys, I mean, for, well, from what I could see, you're probably out there a lot more than I am because we obviously only race, uh, with the Western York super rod association, you know, like once a month, but, uh, you know, you guys are out there every weekend I'm assuming, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, we weren't. We were traveling around quite a bit. Um, but oh, no usually, kidding. yeah, yeah, yep. So. So
2: what what were you doing when you were traveling? What were you doing then? Were you uh, racing just big dollar bracket races, or were you going uh, and uh, racing at like uh, NHRA or you know IHRA races?
1: Uh, we were doing uh big money stuff. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Had and, a lot of fun. Did a lot of that. Didn't and... win a whole lot, but got a lot of experience out of it.
2: It's it's funny, you know, I saw a, a message come out today from Peter Biondo or, you know, the fling text message, if you will, where they were talking about the entering this weekend's race. And, you know, I think they said that the hundred thousand dollar race is four seventy five to enter or something like that. And the, the twenty five thousand dollar race is like three hundred and fifty dollars to enter. And it's a great deal from a money standpoint when you look at the entry fee versus the payout but the difference is is now you're talking about being one of what 400 plus cars that have a chance of winning sure. and it, it ends up being not to say that you have no chance of winning but it ends up being almost kind of playing the lottery when right. you to one of those races and yeah i i wonder i haven't done enough of those races i've done a few of them but i haven't done enough of them that you know i wonder at what point and maybe this is what happened with you and your dad that You say, hey, you know what, Yeah, I'm done playing this game and I just want to go race and have some fun at my local track.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, we'd be doing it more um, with our work schedule and we had a a couple years ago now had a mishap on the way home, but that kind of, what was that, 2019 maybe? Um, that kind of put a damper on our traveling the rest of that year. And sure. last year we didn't really get to go anywhere. Um, we'd like to go some places, but you know how that works. Well, was the, was the mishap were you at least,
2: uh, were one of you guys at least driving your rig when you had the mishap coming home?
1: Yeah, my dad was. Yeah.
2: Okay. Because, uh, yes, my trailer had a mishap and I wasn't even driving it. So
1: oh. yeah, <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> thankfully he was driving. Um, but
2: I would say that's it's kind of a long running joke here on the show because uh, yeah, everybody knows that uh, my trailer is wrecked sitting in my driveway, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with it other than use it as a patio furniture storage, winter storage place, right? Wow. <laughs> uh, that's not good, <laughs> but yeah, so don't ever loan your trailer to a friend. I'm going
1: to give you that advice right now. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's probably a solid piece of advice.
2: Yes, yeah, don't ever do it. Uh, if they, if they ever, just, any of your friends ever come to you and they need a trailer, you tell them that's why God invented U-Haul. <laughs> right. So at this point, uh, I mean, I how have you done? Uh, you and your dad done out at Empire? I mean, obviously, you know, the Keekles have done very well. I think Don's been super pro champion twice overall track champion once maybe um so i kind of feel like you skyview guys have kind of come in and started kicking everyone's butts
1: (laughs) well i mean we've uh we've had a lot of success there um last year or two uh like last year we were fighting a lot of car issues um and then the year before that we just got the wrong side of the ticket but other than that we had uh we did very well there. Um, um,
0: yeah, I got very right.
2: fortunate. Yeah, I say from my perspective, it's hard to say for sure because so you got your dragster and your dad's dragster and the Corvette that you're all running, and I have to say that I, I, I'm constantly seeing cars coming and going. Right. So, um, and, and I guess I don't keep it up close enough, or I haven't kept close enough uh, attention to pay close enough attention to really know when it's you hopping in your dragster versus your dad hopping in his versus (laughs) your dad dropping in the Corvette roadster. So it's just like, well, yeah, man, these guys are still in. It's like, all I see is like I said, constant activity happening (laughs) over in your pit.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, uh, yeah, we've done, we've done quite well. Um, like to do a little better, but who doesn't, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously everybody would like, uh, (laughs) would like to do a little bit better for sure. sure. Um, but well, I guess I'm a little bit more and a little bit better. I'd like to do a lot better. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully, twenty twenty one is uh, is that year for me. Um, now, in addition to in addition to the racing, you you actually kind of support the racers as well in a couple of ways. And I, I find it interesting, and I'm not really sure how they might be related, or maybe they're completely unrelated. Um, the first is you do. You polish a lot of people's parts, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of headers, um, a lot of stainless headers and stuff like that.
2: Now, how how did that come about?
1: I don't know. I just, I just, honestly, I just really like to do it. And I was like, might as well make money while I'm doing it. So I got a little stand set up in my garage and I just go to town. Really? Yeah.
2: And did you just happen to do your set first and someone saw him and like, Hey, who did those for you? And.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> I get really bored over the winter and I'm very, <laughs> very meticulously uh, very meticulous about how I clean my car. Just it's, I'm very fortunate to drive it. And it's my dad's car, I guess. But so I just, I just try to keep it clean and so it doesn't look like it's, beat up or nothing like that and i just try to keep it in best shape as possible same with the other cars too but um yeah i just do that and i guess people notice and they want some stuff done and it just kind of grew from there
2: well i will say it it shows uh (laughs) because yeah i mean every time i've seen your guys cars out there they they just look uh immaculate and you know, I, I came from the school where with my dad, so my Corvette, it was basically we didn't go to the racetrack that weekend unless the car was clean. If the car was not cleaned, we were not going to the racetrack. And uh, so now I will say that I don't take as good a care of the car. My car is uh, as when my dad was around. Um, it was a little easier, obviously, when you have two guys taking, you know, pitching in and helping to maintain a vehicle versus just one. Um, but yeah, I mean, some, some people don't care. I will say that me personally. Yeah. I notice those types of things and yeah, you you, you guys definitely have a very clean operation for sure. And, uh, so yeah, kudos to you guys for, for, for maintaining your vehicles, uh, to that extent. So uh, I'm curious what goes into polishing a set of stainless headers. I mean, it's not just getting a buffy buffer wheel out and buffing them. Is it?
1: I mean, you'd be surprised and. I wouldn't say how easy it is. There's a lot of time into it. Um, but, um, a lot of elbow grease. Um, and I got some buffing wheels and stuff like that. Um, a lot of tight spots that you got to get into and sure, stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's probably a lot easier than, excuse me, most people think, but, um, some people just don't want to take the time. And
2: well, like I said, it's uh, it's the elbow grease part of it. Right. Uh, I mean, that's one reason why I just had, uh, A set of, you know, when I I needed a set of headers, again, that's kind of been a long running joke here uh, with regards to what we're doing too, is that, uh, you know, I needed a set of headers for the Corvette, but when it came down to building a set of mild steel headers and having them coated, I wasn't going to paint them, but having them coated versus a set of stainless Mm -hmm. headers, I I want as minimal maintenance as possible. (laughs) And I, could I polish them or yeah, I'm sure I probably could, but I don't want to, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, you know, I've, t- I've talked to probably, I don't know, three, four people who have known that I've had a set of stainless headers and they're like, Oh, you know, if you want, you could have Cody do them. So, I mean, every time, everybody <laughs> I talk to has, your name is the one that has come up with regards to polishing <laughs> stainless headers.
1: Well, Hey, I guess that's good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I, I guess uh, what's uh, how long does it typically take you to turn a set of uh, headers around for somebody?
1: I mean um when I did like a uncoat like untreated just raw stainless I didn't have the equipment I had now so it was just a lot of hand polishing and there it was quite a few hours in them and uh they came out great but just quite a few hours um but now I can probably do I do it at night after work so I could probably do it in I don't know maybe 3 hours
2: Oh, really? That fast?
1: Yeah, I mean, I if mean, it's I mean... if they're in good shape, I mean, there's if you get oil on them or stuff like that, it just makes it a pain to clean. And um, if they're just right off the jig, fresh, it, they're they're pretty easy to do.
2: Chris, were you going to ask something?
0: Uh, a little bit. I was juggling a bunch of different uh, different things on this end, and um, when you were talking about the the polishing and and versus just running the stainless and the maintenance and stuff like that is there a lot of extra maintenance when you look at the different levels of um when you're looking at the headers you know i I just kind of thought that stainless is stainless is stainless dirt modifies you got to worry about all the corrosion stuff built up on them so you got to make sure that they clean but then you talk about like would you get all the all of them coated and stuff like that um is there a lot of different maintenance that goes into that I mean after you get them polished I mean it's
1: just light work to keep them maintained um especially on a door car like um the Corvette or um they'll once you get them polished they'll look like chrome mm-hmm. and you run them a couple times and they'll start to turn like a like an amber color right. all you got to do is put a little polish on with a rag and it should come right off and it'll look like I did them again um so in that aspect not really there's not a lot of maintenance to it but you just got to keep up on it uh,
0: but if ahead. you don't i
1: mean even if you don't it it'll they still look great they'll be like a like a burnt amber color they look pretty sweet but they won't look
0: um worse
1: than they did i suppose
0: Kathy says that uh you're being too modest and that the realms win a lot <laughs>
1: I don't know about that but
2: <laughs> so it sounds like though that if you didn't polish them from the get go that you could still later on down the line polish them if you wanted to
1: oh yeah yeah I mean it's uh they're I don't know how to put it but yeah I mean it's not gonna affect it any. Um, just, just like I said, the oil, like if you touch a set of stainless headers, the oils from your hands will turn them like a nasty Brown and it just, it just won't look good. Um, but it's not going to affect the header any, just, just an aesthetic standpoint.
2: But in the end you can, you can, if we took a, a set, a set of unpolished stainless headers that had been used and had some oil and stuff like that on them and handed them over to Cody, is it still possible to bring them back to look like brand new Chrome at that point?
1: Oh yeah. 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 Just really? a little extra time, but um, yeah, I got a, I got a set in my garage right now that I got to finish actually um, uh, that are just beat, but I got one header done and the other one is just, it looks like you pulled it out of a dump. It's just awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough, <laughs> but
2: well, and, and so this this questioning, I guess i'll I'll call it is uh, somewhat self-serving in that uh, uh, you know, my headers have just been completed, they're bolted on the car, ready to go, and uh, you know, could I take them off, I guess, and run them over to you and have you polish them? Yeah, I could. Um, But I have to say that I have a whole bunch of other things that I need to finish on the car, so I didn't really want to do that. And I was really hoping that the answer was going to be just like you said, that, hey, you know what, it might be a little extra time later on down the line, but if you want to turn them into that chrome look, we can still do that. And, uh, yeah, for me right now, it's like, you know what, I'm going to run them the way that they are right now, and I'll I'll pay you on the back end, I guess, to put the extra (laughs) little bit of elbow grease in them to get them to be chrome uh, so that I don't have to do that work right now. Um so now in addition to the to the polishing, so well I guess is it it my guess and again I I don't wanna put I don't want to commit you to doing something that uh (laughs) that that you don't do, but my guess is that you can't that that you're not polishing just headers.
1: No. No, I I do pretty much almost anything that goes on a race car except cast. I don't really do cast all that much. Okay. Um, But pretty much other than that I'll I'll clean it right up.
2: So, and I thought I saw. Did you just polish something on one of your cars recently and post pictures of it?
1: Uh, those were my headers. Yep.
2: They were your headers. Okay. All yep. right. So, but if somebody had, uh, I mean, I don't know. For for would you do it for a chrome set of wheels too? I mean, if someone had a, a an old set of wheels, and what I mean old, I mean, I mean, I guess it could be really like, old. You know, combo pro old. old. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But, but if somebody had a set of wheels that, uh, Hey, you know what, they got 15 years of racing on them and yeah, they're still look decent, but they don't look like they were uh, out of the box. Is that something that, yeah, someone could roll over to you and say, Hey, could you uh, do these and have them back to me next week? And that you'd be more than happy to do it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I love doing wheels.
2: <laughs> oh, do you really?
1: Oh yeah. That's great. It's quite a transformation. It's uh, I spent an ungodly amount of time on our beadlocks this year because like in the, in the scallops, it gets like brake dust and maybe some axle grease or something in there. I got in there with a toothbrush and a Dremel, and it was just—I went overboard. It's—it's it's dumb, but it is what it is.
2: <laughs> well, well, I will say it's not dumb, and uh, I mean it is. Again, it it takes the elbow grease to do it, but like you said, the transformation can be pretty unbelievable to see firsthand. And I know just for my own self, it's like, you know, the last time I polished my wheels, I don't remember what time, when it was. It was a few years ago. You don't think they look that dirty until you go through and you polish them and you're like, wow, they were pretty dirty.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: So yeah, I mean, from my perspective, yeah, that's. Uh, I think overall, uh, you're going to at least get at least one customer here out of uh, <laughs> out of tonight's podcast. Cause, yeah, I, I can think of a set of wheels at least, and uh, probably a set of headers in the office that I might bring over to you. But... Perfect. I'll be waiting. <laughs> now, in, in addition to the the polishing, the other thing that you do that it, it's just kind of completely unrelated, but it's the it's the methanol sense.
1: Yep. And the top flue, yep.
2: So, how how did you get uh, how did you get into that? And uh, again, I'm, I think some of the listeners probably or viewers on the show probably have seen that or heard that. You know, I'm thinking about uh, switching over to methanol this year, and I know very little about it. So, I'm assuming you got into this business, and you guys run methanol. Correct. Okay. All right. So now, how did you get into the the it's top lube, right? That's what it that's what it is? Um
1: there's top lube and then I offer uh wild willy fuel scent uh along with it. So they're two two separate things, but the top lube's my my deal. Um so I'm just a dealer for the scent. Oh, okay. Um but yeah. I guess they're related in a way.
2: So all right, so the but the top lube is is your deal. Yeah. So what is what is the top lube for for people like myself, what is the top lube, you know, what does that do for you when you're running methanol?
1: Uh, methanol is like a, a, a dry fuel. Um, so it like, sometimes when you take your uh, carburetor apart, it'll leave like white chalk residue, especially if you leave it in your carburetor for a prolonged amount of time. Um, they say it's like a valve for your valves to keep them, valve guides lubricated and Um, stuff like that Um, it just keeps everything free flowing I guess Um, keeps passages open and not clogged with gunk
2: okay and again this is all completely new to me right because I've been a racing gas guy for as long as I can remember Um, so when you're when you're when you're adding the top lube and it's uh, just is it just a scent is that all it is Yep. yep so when you're when you're adding the top lube and the scent is it like i'll call it one pint per 55 gallon drum of methanol is that how you add it
1: uh i can i offer uh eight ounce bottles uh, that, and that'll treat um 55 gallons of alcohol and then like the scent is four ounce bottle and that'll also treat 55 gallons of alcohol
2: oh okay so i, I guess i'm curious to know now that uh, you know i'm looking at switching over to methanol it's like well you probably ran methanol with the junior right so is that how you guys got started with methanol? Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, I didn't start offering this the lube until just probably two years ago. But yeah, we uh we uh started with methanol. I think my dad probably started with it before then. But um, yeah. So a long time ago.
2: <laughs> now you're, I guess, all in on methanol. So what are what are your feelings with regards to methanol versus racing gas?
1: I mean. I remember, like, a long time ago, for some reason, like, I'm talking probably when I was eight or nine, like, I always had this, like, stigma in my head that racing gas is no good, and alcohol's is where it's at, and it, but, I mean, they're both good. I know people with racing gas on their cars that are just consistent, or if not, more consistent than I am, I mean, and my car is deadly, but, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's all in your fuel system, I mean you got to have a good pump and you got to have a good carburetor and all that jazz um so they're they're pretty uh pretty comparable um i know like back in the day like the heat swings and stuff like that made quite a difference in gas i believe i mean i'm not a 100% i've never ran gas so i don't have any like um D-
2: data points to compare it to sure yeah yep, but, yep. i mean
1: with my car um it stays Pretty much the same day to night, cold to warm. I mean, obviously, it'll run faster in the cold, but um, it stays pretty consistent usually day to night. So,
2: I mean, from my perspective, I mean, one of the big advantages of uh, you know of the methanol it's like it, it keeps the car cooler so if you get down into the later rounds which I never do so I'm not sure really why I'm concerned about <laughs> this but if you get down to the later rounds and, and you start hot lapping obviously you don't have a, an issue of trying to get heat out of the engine to be able to make the next round right?
1: No no not at all I mean I can I've done it before I can make my run park it put fuel in it fire it right back up and go right back up for my next run I mean there's there's no issue with that
2: Wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. And I will say, yeah. one thing I would like to do, and it's like a lot of guys obviously like to double enter at uh, at Empire. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, if I thought that I could and wasn't going to kill myself trying to cool the car down and be able to go back up again, I would certainly be interested in double entering and uh, you know running Super Rod and, and Super Pro at the same time or when sure. Hot Rod's there running TNT and, and Super Pro at the same time. But, yeah, right now it's like I don't want to feel like I'm, you know, running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to get everything done and, and and do that. Um, But not having to worry about cooling the car down is, is a big part of that for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, you really shouldn't have much of an issue. I wouldn't think Um, usually it, it, it stays pretty good. So.
2: Now what about the, now what about in the early rounds? When I get to the early rounds, do you have an issue of putting heat in the car to keep it at the consistent temperature?
1: Um. Not really. We have a lean out valve in our car, so you just pull it, and it leans the motor out, and it brings the RPMs up, and it uh, allows more air in to the system and uh, after oh, the carburetor, after the carburetor. So it raises the RPMs, and it gets the car warm quicker. Um, works really well. I mean, we don't have no issue warming our car up either. So
2: that's uh, that's kind of interesting. I you don't have a throttle stop on your car, do you?
1: Um no but we have provisions for it
2: i'm i'm just wondering it's like could you lean the car out by it would probably want to stall right i'm wondering could you lean the car out by just activating the throttle stop and having the butterflies close underneath the the car
1: i mean i suppose you could but i wouldn't recommend it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you you could i suppose yeah if, if uh it's basically doing the same thing i guess in a i never
2: i mean i never thought about the lean-out valve i mean uh yeah. so if you if you don't have that how hard is it to get heat into the engine if you if you don't use the lean-out valve
1: uh sometimes it can be a pain especially on a cool day um yeah i mean that, another thing i would not recommend with an alcohol car is no lean-out valve oh really uh, okay. yeah it's it's a it's a lifesaver
2: i would say otherwise are you basically just trying to like idle your car constantly trying to keep heat in it?
1: Basically, yeah.
2: Okay. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I would say this is all a learning experience for me. I know nothing about it. Uh, I think there are some definitive advantages to, to methanol and I know I've talked to a couple of guys that run it and they swear by it and you know would never go back to racing gasoline. Um, you know, Obviously, one of the huge advantages, I know you burn more of it. You burn twice as much probably methanol as you do racing gasoline but even still, at twice as much, you're talking about still probably half the cost of racing gasoline, and uh, and it makes more power, right?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, it depends on the application, but yeah, it does. I mean, with some some cylinder heads, uh, will make more power with gas and yada yada yada, all that stuff. But in most cases, yeah, it would make more power.
2: Oh, so some cylinder head situations might uh, might actually make more power in gasoline
1: yep uh really? actually I only know that because <laughs> actually my car would make more power on on gasoline with the cylinder head I have on it,
2: oh no kidding,
1: yep, but we just we've always ran alcohol, so that's what we got on it
2: now what uh i guess what cylinder heads I'm assuming you guys are running a, you're running a big block yep uh all all your cars are big blocks, i'm assuming yeah okay yeah, I mean I just assume but uh so what about your dad's car? Different cylinder heads, I'm assuming?
1: Yeah, yep.
2: Now, does his car make more power on methanol than gasoline? Oh,
1: God, I would say so, probably. I mean... So uh, what,
2: what's what's the difference then in the cylinder heads that one would make more power versus the other?
1: That I'm not sure of. I'm not 100% on that. Um, oh. But that's what the guy from APD, I believe, told oh, okay. my dad years ago when he built the motor, so... Okay. I'm not, not a hundred percent on that.
2: All right. I was curious if it, you know, and again, I, this is, this is not, uh, my area of expertise. That's why I take my engines to, uh, Jansen all the time to have them, uh, <laughs> do all this stuff. But yeah, it's like, I was wondering if it's a, uh, you know, is it the size of combustion chamber? Is it the, the flow of the head? Is it the shape of the exhaust port or, um, you know, what, uh what might it be, but, uh, well, that's interesting. Uh, well, hopefully <laughs> I was hoping for a power gain. So, uh, hopefully that uh, Mike Janice didn't already, uh, modify my cylinder heads to make sure that I got the maximum amount of power via gasoline <laughs> and, and not just any fuel whatsoever. Um, so the, now the lean out valve, is that simply just a, a set of butterflies on a, uh, on a mechanical cable, uh, that, that uh, you use?
1: No, it's actually a little more barbaric than that. <laughs> um, it's basically, uh, it's just a valve that, uh, like a cylinder valve that you can pull out and it'll open ports behind the the cylinder and it'll let more air out in, I think it's like a half inch airline that goes like either into your intake or your carb spacer. And it'll oh. just allow the air to go um, under the carburetor, I guess. And I guess pull pull vacuum. Is okay. Roundabout way.
2: Now, are you guys, so another new upgrade for me this year is a vacuum pump. I've never run a vacuum pump on my car. Are you guys running vacuum pumps on your car as well?
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: So if you hit the lean out valve, it doesn't uh, really negatively affect that at all no, to the no. point where the car doesn't want to run or anything like that.
1: No, no, it's because it's, um, it's just in the intake. So it's just, it's sucking through there and um you're working off of like combustion uh combustion chamber i guess that okay part of it and a vacuum pump is like crankcase pressure and stuff like that so it's two separate areas
2: okay well i i will say that uh, my plan right now because we've made so many changes to my car this year is to go out and you know the switch to methanol sounds like it's going to be pretty simple for me Um, I have the right fuel pump already and the right size fuel line. So it's literally going to be, I think, changing carburetors, draining the gasoline out and putting methanol in. So the the plan right at the moment is to go out and just make a couple of uh, uh, test passes, if you will, make sure that everything is okay with the car on gasoline and then say, okay, let's make the switch over to methanol. I'm hoping that you guys are going to be out there uh, when, when when the track opens. Is that going to be true? Because if so, I'm definitely going to stop over and take a look at, uh, at your cars and kind of see what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Yep. Uh, my dad's uh, pretty good with alcohol and carburetors and fuel systems, so if you need a hand, I'm sure he'll be happy to help.
2: Well, certainly I, I appreciate the offer. I know that, uh, you know, Ben Height, uh, he's been one of the big uh, – people pushing me to switch and uh, Chris Carlotta as well. And, uh, you know, I know Chris is running uh, and I don't want to get into this. I know he's running race fuel, racing gas, and alcohol at the same time. And I don't understand how he does it, what the advantage is.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> it's,
2: it's getting really complicated uh, for my small <laughs> brain to be able to figure out how to do that. So I, I don't want to go uh, that complex if I don't need to. Um, one, one fuel cell, one fuel is enough, but uh, I, I think he's, I think he's doing it because he has to run nitrous. So would that make sense?
1: Uh, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Actually. I'm I'm in the same boat with you on that one, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll let, uh, I'll leave that to the, the mad scientist, Chris, to, uh, sure. to figure that out. Um, I will say, uh, you know, we're getting close to the top of the hour here. Chris had a question for you that he posed, uh, to me on chat, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes ago. And, uh, as is typical, when we get talking, I do most of the talking because I just like to talk, I guess, <laughs> but uh, I want to let Chris ask his question
0: that he has rather than me asking it for him. Sure. Were you talking about the one where I messaged you if you were going to stop to take a breath? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. That one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last year being year two was kind of a lost year, right? I mean, with, with all the the delays and the changes and, and everything that came along with COVID, um, you find some success. It's still hard to gauge if last year, what defined a success and, and in turn, once you define that, how does that set your bar for this year? I
1: mean, last year, to be honest with you, success was just getting to the racetrack (laughs) with all the complications and all that. Um, I mean my outlook never changed uh I mean I'm just going to go there and do what I do and hope for the best
0: Well I mean that's um, a it's a pretty good way to approach it I mean if if you just kind of take it as it comes and uh play the cards that you're dealt it's certainly a whole lot easier to roll with it and keep it fun versus getting mired into the wins and losses and and right lights and and stuff like that it can uh turn into something that's, that's far more competitive than you might necessarily want it to be and, and start losing some of that luster of being fun. So I, I kind of kind of admire where you're at. It's uh, almost one well, of those deals where you're racing against yourself and trying to better your performance, and your consistency versus going out there and, and, and chasing points in a super intense way.
1: Oh, um, well, I'm, I'm very competitive. So I guess like, uh, that was like Kathy said, a modest way of looking at it, I guess uh, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very competitive. Uh, uh, I, I guess I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I mean, I, I look for the, I, I like going racing. Don't get me wrong, but I love to win. It's sure. just, that's, that's what gives me the edge. I just love to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's probably unhe- an unhealthy habit to have in drag racing when you're supposed to be out there just having, having fun. fun. <laughs> and Right. I mean but I am having fun and it may not look like that to other people but that's just the way that I I look at it it's just very competitive and uh I
0: it's a whole lot about. easier to have fun in drag racing if you're the last car to light a light <laughs> Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is that that is true. I will say my wife has asked me a couple of times, you know, if you don't enjoy it why are you doing it? And it's like I do enjoy it but it's, it can be very, it can be a very aggravating sport at times. Right. I mean, there are some times where nothing goes right. There are times when you do everything right and still lose. And uh, um, yeah, it can be aggravating. And unfortunately, I I guess I I wear my, my emotions on the sleeve and yeah, I, I'm out there trying to have fun, but like Chris said, uh, it's, it's definitely more fun when you're winning for sure. And, and uh, so, yeah, I get it. Uh, I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to, obviously I I have my friends out there and I'm not going to win at all costs type of thing. Uh, um, I want to win fair and square and, and have fun while I'm out there. But yeah, at the end of the day, when, when you and I stage up against each other, right. I'm going to, I'm going to try and cut a triple zero light against you and and run dead on the number if I can. And if I, if, if I've made a mistake, that's the thing that I, I hate is when I, well, at the end of the day, I always screw up one way or the other. It's whether or not, I tuned the car wrong or dialed it wrong or read the track wrong or who knows what it's, it's always our fault at the end of the day. But um, when I do something, when, when I'm going down the track from a driving standpoint, that's the, that's the stuff that beats me up the most. Yeah. I just can't stand.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. So yeah, it's just, you You just, you make so many laps. I don't know how many laps I've made down the track now, but I mean when you mess up and do something stupid that you know you shouldn't have done is just what kills me. Like I I know better. I've no, I've made enough trips down a racetrack to know what's right and wrong. It's just that you always just have that brain fart moment and you do something dumb and it just costs you the whole run.
0: Been there. <laughs> Well, uh, Cody, I, we're, we're getting here uh, a little bit short on time. We appreciate you coming on the show. I'm looking forward to doing this again. Before we let you go, is there anybody that you want to make quick mention of that, that helps keep the team going?
1: Uh, yeah, my mom and dad. I guess they uh, they're uh, definitely my biggest supporters, emotionally, uh, physically, and financially. But, um, yeah, I mean, without them, I could I couldn't do it on the level I that I'm at now, and um uh definitely something i don't want to take for granted and
0: absolutely i love
1: to do it with my family and hang out with them and hang out with my friends and i just have
0: um uh yeah i mean it's just been great so we certainly wish you the best of luck this season hopefully everything uh continues to be fun and uh and and profitable (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> as, as, yeah, as, right. as, as much so as <laughs> as much so as track racing can be uh
0: and uh keep us posted you know as the season goes on is as, as how everything progresses and and uh we look forward to doing it again man
1: yeah i would love to be on the show again thanks for having me it's it's been it's been fun
0: fantastic well we appreciate it we'll catch up with you soon real quick before we go um i know jason is real excited about this jason sent to me a couple pictures of the car we've got some some actual images of the parts and pieces in place. There's a good look at the the engine bay now with the new headers in place. He's very, very excited and, and you can see the um the carburetor that's there needs uh needs all those ethanol lines run.
2: Uh, yes, correct. Uh but yeah, at this point uh people can't can't make fun of me anymore for not having headers uh I, I have headers. So, and, and they're stainless. So yeah, I'm uh, the Corvette's ready to run. And uh, got the vacuum pump on there. Uh, Randy Jewell, RJ race cars, uh, RJ pro fab, uh, you know, did a great job uh, getting everything done. The other thing too is uh, um, there you can see, uh, you can see some of the header welds and stuff like that. Uh, I have to say it's, it's really incredible. The the old primaries were two and an eighth inch tube. The new ones are inch and seven eighths and uh, um I think they're really better suited to the small block than the two and the eighths were. And it's just going to be really easy to get the headers in and out compared to before, um, I'll say the other thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that I got new windows on the car. Right. Um, uh, and, uh, it's amazing how clear they are compared to my old, uh, Billy Lieber and I referred to them as spooky windows because they, you know, they were spider from all the scratches <laughs> and stuff in them. So I don't have spooky windows in the car anymore. And, uh, um, Randy did, I say he did him and Ben actually, they did a really great job, uh, um the, the rear windows they they actually tried to buy preformed windows for the back of my car but I don't think they were built they were made specifically for a stock body 63 I think they were made for an aftermarket body Randy said they didn't fit like anything so they had to hand form those uh, those windows for the back and um he uh, you can kind of tell there um he put the tinted windows in the back uh, he, you know, knowing that I'm a bracket racer and I need to be able to see out the, uh, the other windows, he left all the other windows clear, but put the tenant in the back. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be able to see through them and have all my, my stainless trim back on the car as well. Right. So that, uh, um, I don't have to be embarrassed, uh, that, you know, all that stuff isn't out there. So yeah no more making fun of me other than my trailer um otherwise it well and my trailer and my my driving my lack of driving abilities uh you, you guys could continue to make fun of me there but otherwise i think we're in hopefully good shape both the cars together there yeah there's a nice picture uh phil i will say he's always uh very proud when uh when i bring the corvette over he's like you know hop in the back of the truck and take a picture of both cars so yeah that was a uh, a panoramic picture that I took of both cars in there. And uh, last weekend uh, uh, I was say, well, I was working on my car, getting it, uh, getting it ready. Uh, he got the motor out of the, out of the Camaro and that's back at Jansen uh, being freshened. And then we took the transmissions out of both of them. Uh, Chris Carlotta is going to freshen uh, both trannies in our cars and uh, converters are going back to cone to have those freshened. And uh, uh, so, yeah, hopefully a couple of weeks here, we'll have them all back together and and ready to go we hope to be out uh, we won't be out this weekend obviously or well i guess they're not going to open this weekend uh, right they were scheduled to be open this weekend so uh the week of the eighth we probably won't make but hopefully we'll be out the 15th uh, which will be the week or so before uh, our first
0: race that we're going to have out at empire so looking forward to it awesome we sure do appreciate it guys uh another good one in the books we will be back again in a couple of weeks we'll do this again Looking forward to seeing everybody there. Make sure you get out to the racetracks and uh, enjoy some of the weather that's finally starting to turn in and and smile in our favor rain notwithstanding. We'll see everybody again next time. See you then. This has been the Final Round Drag Racing Podcast, coming to you live from the fingerlakes onecom studios in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. We'll see you right back here again in two weeks. Thanks for watching.